0: Hello, welcome back. I'm Jo, it's lovely to have you here. First of all, it's been a while since I made a podcast. Look, the end of 2021 got quite crazy and the beginning of this year has been a monster so far and it's only, uh, oh gosh, it's only a few weeks through January. So I'm hoping the rest of this year settles a bit. But anyway, I'm back. Really glad I'm here, really glad you're here. I've been really pleased to see a lot of people listen over the time that I haven't been recording, which has been great. Obviously, you're finding the podcast and um, that's awesome. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please do share it, give it a great review, give it a like and let your friends know. All right, today, what I want to talk about is how to get a diagnosis, because when I announced my autism publicly, the number one question that I got when people messaged me was, I think I need a diagnosis, how do I get one? So I want to break this down into two parts. The the first part of this, I guess, is what um, Tony Atwood and Michelle Garnett call the common pathways to diagnosis for girls and women. Uh, And those pathways actually are gender dysphoria, um, eating disorders, anxiety, depression, mutism, self-harm borderline personality disorder or ADHD so often the girl or the woman gets that diagnosis first and then while they're sort of receiving treatment or therapy for that um, someone along the way goes hey maybe we've also got something else going on here and they if they're lucky and they are autistic they end up with an official autism diagnosis which is wonderful because that answers a lot of questions and that certainly was the case for me in terms of uh, my profile as a teenager it was quite classically with an eating disorder, anxiety, depression, um, shutdowns, losing my words, that kind of thing and it would have made a world of difference to me had I had a proper diagnosis to understand what was going on there and I know um, I've spoken to another friend of mine who had an eating disorder disorder in her teenage years, and both of us have said that, um, you know, the eating disorder, yes, of course, there was, you know, sort of uh, body dysmorphia kind of issues and weight issues, but more than anything, the eating disorder was a form of control because the rest of our life felt so out of control and we felt like we had so little control over what was happening to us that that controlling our eating was the way we could sort of manage that and somehow curtail that anxiety by giving us some kind of false sense of control, which of course you don't have at all. You're completely out of control, but it feels like you've got control. Anyway, that went down a little pathway, didn't it? Um, So they're the common sort of pathways to a diagnosis for girls and women, as Tony Atwood and Michelle Garnett say, they've said it in their seminars, they say it. Frequently on their social media sites. So I'm not um, I'm just telling you what's already on their site. You can go and have a look at that for yourself um, So if if that isn't one of the pathways for you then you've possibly come to if you are a Late diagnosed woman you've possibly come to this via having a child diagnosed. That's a very very common pathway as it was for me and it's um, And suddenly you see yourself when you're filling out all these forms and answering all these questions and you go, hold on a moment, that's me. And at that point you might have the opportunity to, um, if you've got you know, a good supportive psychologist there, um, to sort of bounce off that. That didn't happen for me. I raised that and said, hang on a minute, everything in this sensory profile is me. Um, at which point I was dismissed for having Eye contact that was too good, which of course is ridiculous. You cannot assess an entire person's, you know, ugh, neurodiversity or not based on a few minutes of sustained eye contact, which may or may not be comfortable and is a learned skill anyway. So that was ridiculous. Um, I ha- I've had to work through a fair bit of Anger about that one, actually, that I could have had this diagnosis so much earlier had she actually been. Um, more with it I guess in terms of an adult diagnosis and that kind of brings me to the next point which is how do you get a diagnosis as an adult and the answer I'm sorry to say is it's difficult it's not easy one because there are very few there seems to be certainly from what I've heard and what I've experienced there seems to be very few people who we think should know About autism and should know about how to refer you to the right people to get a proper diagnosis actually don't know and I had this clarified recently when I posted something on Facebook and a friend of mine who's a a doctor replied and said I could tell you everything I know about autism that I learned in my medical degree on a postage stamp and I thought wow that really really says it all now she is not just a GP she is a psychiatric registrar in a hospital so that says so much to me and now I also want to really say very strongly here she's also a brilliant advocate because she the next thing she said was please send me things send me links I want to learn I want to know I want to upskill so hooray for her that's brilliant but unfortunately Most of the practitioners that I come in contact with, and I'm talking GPs, psychologists, I guess, mostly, teachers, um, really don't know much, don't want to know much, and don't really understand the kind of uh, female presentation or what Reframing Autism, um, who is a brilliant organisation, you should totally follow them, uh, what they call internalised types of autism. So, These are the types of autism that present differently to the sort of stereotypical autism that we may have seen dominate our popular media, media news programs and things like that. And so women often fall into that category, but some males can too. And of course, when I'm talking females, I'm talking cis females. So women who are assigned female at birth and still identify as female at birth. And then you've got a whole bunch of you know, gender diverse folk in there who can slip through the cracks there because they don't appear to fit a certain stereotype. So what do you do? All right. So firstly, I want to say, be prepared. If you feel like, if you've done enough research and you've listened to enough stuff and you've listened to people talk and you've, or you've got children who are diagnosed and you're kind of going, look, I feel like I've got a lot going on here. And not entirely sure you might be completely sure or you might be like uh i don't really know but i'm thinking that there's stuff going on then be prepared to be dismissed and if your gut if time goes on and that doesn't sit right with you and you still feel it then there's probably more there now some people choose to simply not simply but they choose to self-identify self-diagnose themselves as autistic and on the whole from what I have read and seen online, the autistic community is generally very accepting of people who have self-diagnosed. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody's just working up one day and gone, hey, I think I'm autistic and I'm gonna go with that. They've, they've probably done loads of research, possibly years worth of research. They've probably tried to talk to some psychologists or psychiatrists or GPs and been knocked back, but still kind of go, I don't think that's right. You know, they've done a lot of the work of self-education. So it's not like they just woke up one day and went, hey, think, oh, I'm, I'm autistic. They probably have done loads and loads of research to come to that conclusion. There are a lot of barriers to getting a diagnosis. One is financial. For an adult, it's very pricey. We're talking thousands to get a proper diagnosis. Um, and you won't get any help for that from Medicare or anywhere else, probably. Um the other is the waiting lists are phenomenally long because we have such a backlog of um, undiagnosed people. That's my dog that <laughs> you can hear barking there because I'm sitting in the stable right now. Um, uh, we've got such a backlog of undiagnosed people that you know, the demand is huge because we have so much greater awareness now than we ever did before. So those two things are huge barriers. You might also come up with barriers... In terms of your family, your loved ones, your friends kind of gaslighting you and talking you out of it or not wanting you to pursue a diagnosis. A lot of people have a lot of hang-ups about the term autism and have a lot of fears and a lot of outdated views about it, worries and concerns about it. So there's lots of different reasons why you may uh, not be able to access a proper diagnosis. Now, at the end of the day, who did I go and see? If you're in Australia, I saw Unique U Psychology. That is Unique, and then the letter U, Psychology. They're in New South Wales, I think, or Victoria, sorry, I can't remember. But they will do a diagnosis via telehealth, and they do have a long waiting list, and it is pricey. But I can tell you that that diagnostic process for me was so powerful so illuminating i i don't think i would ever have gotten to the place of understanding that i did so quickly if i hadn't been through that process with a professional who truly understands my type of autism because there are different types there are different presentations and people you know we're really behind but we're coming up we're we're getting on top of it and it's happening quickly But you do need to find the right people. So it's not easy. It's not straightforward. I'm sorry to say there's not generally a simple answer. A lot of people, a lot of women, get misdiagnosed with something else before they get an autistic diagnosis. They might get diagnosed with anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, schizophrenia, all sorts of things, from what I have read online. Or they get called the highly sensitive person, um, which... Okay, I just probably can't talk about that one right now. Um, but yeah, so it's really common for them to get misdiagnosed with something else because we don't really like diagnosing people as a culture, I find. Unless you are a, a passionate advocate of this work, it's tricky to find the right people. So, unique you, absolutely passionate, completely pro-neurodiversity, neuropositive, brilliant, brilliant. Um, psychologist doing great work I came across them via another wonderful uh, autistic woman here on the Sunshine Coast called Leonie Dawson who is an entrepreneur and artist and um, she talked about her diagnostic process on a podcast and said she went through a unique you and I thought and it was the final catalyst for me to go okay I've, I've been sitting on this for a couple of years now I need to I need to go and so that really worked for me So that is a bit of info about how to get a diagnosis. I do hope it's helpful to you. If you do have questions about autism, the autistic journey, anything really, feel free to email me, get in touch, get on my Instagram, my Facebook. Let me know. Um, Give me some ideas what you want me to talk about in podcasts. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to go and talk to my puppy dog now because she's uh, unhappy about something going on in the bush over there. All right. Speak soon. See you next time. Bye.